0: Whether you're an aspiring public health professional who is unsure about how to get noticed by an employer, or you've already been working in public health for a period of time, there are skills that we must continually work to develop to allow us to excel in an evolving public health landscape. In this episode, we'll be talking about seven core competencies that are crucial for the effective practice of public health. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not
1: represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with.
0: You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health, from the sustainable development goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogues about the diverse career opportunities that exist in the field. My name is Gordon, and I have Lashawn here with me to discuss the various areas you can sharpen your skills if you're an aspiring or current public health professional. So LaShawn, what's up?
1: Hey, what's up, man? What are we talking about today?
0: Well, it would appear like we're talking about core competencies. So core competencies, well, the ones in particular that are the focus of this episode, were developed by the Public Health Agency of Canada. Now, why are we talking about this? Folks always wonder, now, what skills do I need to showcase on an application to show that I can be an effective public health practitioner, right? We have students who are applying to MPH programs. In both cases, core competencies in public health are a great place to start. So if you're making a resume, what are some skills that you'd want to explicitly highlight to an employer, especially if you're someone who is like a newcomer or immigrant looking to bring your public health knowledge to Canada? What are some skills that you need to make sure are reflected in your job applications? So this episode is for anyone of the above who falls in that boat. So LaShawn, what are core competencies?
1: Yeah, so as defined by this core competencies for public health in Canada, core competencies are basically defined as these essential pieces of knowledge, skills, and attitudes you have to bring to the table that would be necessary for the practice of public health. And so what that essentially translates into is these different clusters of core competencies that have subcategories which really detail out some of the stuff that you should know, the knowledge you should know, the skills you should have in order to effectively practice public health. And you might be wondering, hey, did people just randomly make a list and say this is what you need to be a public health professional? Well, some more work has been done into the development of this particular document that we we are looking at today. And it was made in consultation with over 3,000 practitioners. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Wow, 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 indeed. All right. So let's get into it, shall we? Let's go.
0: So the first one, public health sciences. And that's probably yeah. the one that is perhaps most familiar to people. Once we get into it, you'll see that most familiar to people who finished an undergrad in a various Program, whether it's microbiology, immunology, biochemistry, medical science, life sciences, these are some of those critical thinking skills that you would develop through pursuing your undergrad. So, you know, critical analysis on any data that you collected as part of your program, how to interpret it, how to present it in a way so that it's palpable. The behavioral sciences, that's a common part of public health as well. So, when we're talking about social science, behavioral sciences, you're thinking about stuff like anthropology. Is there anything else that I missed, LaShawn?
1: Yeah, you you named a lot of it, and it's kind of those core public health areas that we always talk about. So like you mentioned, behavioral and social sciences, biostatistics, epidemiology, the environmental health component, workplace health, prevention of chronic diseases, infectious diseases, psychosocial problems, and injuries. So what essentially that means is, as we talked about what do core competencies mean, it's understanding the knowledge and skills behind this. So demonstrate that you have some knowledge and understanding of the different concepts when it comes to the status of populations, inequities in health, the determinants of health, what contributes to illness, what different health promotion strategies are present to help you serve your community. So those core kind of knowledge bits that you would have to know to just get in the know of public health.
0: That's right. So A lot of those courses are often taught in public health programs, like graduate Mm -hmm. public health programs. And one in particular, biostatistics, I believe even before you get into a public health program, it's often a requirement for a lot of public health programs in Canada to have that foundational knowledge so that you have somewhere to start, right, statistics before you start an MPH program. So that's kind of, you might be thinking, how do they come up with all these courses, these requirements? A lot of it is centered around these core competencies that organizations and institutions believe that you need to be an effective public health practitioner.
1: And then when we talk about public health, we're always thinking about the context. So whichever context you're in, understanding and having knowledge of history, understanding the structure and interaction of public health as it pertains to intersections with healthcare and other health services— And at the different levels of governance, so maybe it's a local, provincial, territorial, or the national or international levels, how do these levels intersect? Because having knowledge about the different areas to tackle and know who to go to and who to advocate to and where to implement change are going to be foundational in your understanding and knowledge of implementing some of these core public health science concepts and knowledge.
0: Absolutely. Like we said at the beginning, Public health is a very evolving landscape. And when something is evolving, you have to stay up to date. And because Mm -hmm. you have to stay up to date, you have to demonstrate that you have the ability to pursue lifelong learning opportunities in the field of public health so that your knowledge and skills are current with the direction public health is moving. So that's applicable to this competency as well as the six others that we'll talk about.
1: But hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm. How do you become a lifelong learner of public health? What kind of resources could you use? You do a
0: podcast because you love it so much. You talk about it at birthdays and parties and be party poopers because you like public health so much. That's how Mm. you do it. You engage in dialogues. What are you passionate about? What do you want to learn more about? Mm. So LaShawn and I are passionate about connecting with individuals who are aspiring to enter the field. We, in turn, learn from them what's going on in public health. And so, obviously, we exchange a lot of our knowledge and experiences. We, too, also learn from those hours, long hours that we put in, having conversations with folks that are about to enter the field or are currently practicing.
1: That's beautifully said. Start your own podcast. Have mm-hmm. these discussions. Talk to people. Engage in material that you're interested in. Absolutely.
0: And I want to also mention Because if you look at the core competencies on the Public Health Agency of Canada's website, they specifically mention geographic information system. So for anyone who's practicing geography, you might think that has nothing to do with public health, but there are skills that you can bring over to public health from a scientific perspective to enhance public health practice. And that goes for a lot of different
1: career fields as well. So the second core competency that we're going to talk about is assessment and analysis. What does that mean, Gordon, and what kind of skills and knowledge do people need to highlight this aspect? Yeah, what
0: this tries to hit home is the fact that as a public health practitioner, you're going to be involved at some level in terms of the collection, assessment, and application of information, right? So that includes collecting data, that includes formulating facts and concepts, and theories. So you have to be skilled or willing to learn how to collect information and use it to inform evidence-based decision-making.
1: And so I guess it's also important to highlight the fact that sometimes you want to collect information, but it might not be there. There's gaps and limitations to certain information. So how will you kind of assess and analyze that situation to make evidence-based decision despite that lack of, you know, that information gap? to serve the communities that you need to serve. So being able to think that through and analyze the situation and implement this critical thinking and reasoning to this data analysis and applying that information is going to be key.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because we're living the example right now. There is the COVID-19 pandemic, which of course I don't like to talk about, but it exists. And even world renowned experts We're struggling to keep up with what this thing really was and what was the best way to approach it, much to the frustration of the general public, and rightly so. As you collect more data, information can change, right? So this ongoing assessment and analysis of a current situation is something that's a critically important skill to have in public health, to be open to changing opinions and recommendations based on evolving evidence. And something we'll get into later is the nuances of communicating this to the general public and the difficulties that arise from changing scientific information. A lot of people think when something is science, it shouldn't change, and they can get very frustrated by it. So we won't talk about that too much now, but that's sort of the importance of being able to have that core competency of assessment and analysis.
1: Mm -hmm. And when you kind of dig a little deeper as well, it's like, Sure, you're working in a given area and you're considering your specific context. but how can you use information from other contexts, whether it's you know different ethical concept uh, contexts, political context, sociocultural or economic context to not necessarily relate that exactly one to one to your situation, but how can you use that use that information and learn from that and create best practices and lessons learned from some of the strategies that they've used to solve a different public health issue. So you need to be able to see what's out there and evaluate those different sources of information, considering different contexts, contextual factors.
0: Absolutely. And we talked about assessment and analysis. LaShawn mentioned that there are some limitations to this based on available information or data. Despite these factors, You still have to use your knowledge and expertise to ultimately make a decision and recommendation to policymakers and decision makers, especially if the need is urgent like the global pandemic. So that's why that skill is critically important, especially when you have public health emergencies, something to do ongoing assessment, surveillance and analysis. You have to be very skilled at that and very adaptable.
1: And then we have number three, Mm. policy and program planning implementation and evaluation, which is just a cluster of different ideas that are related. Mm. How are they related and what is this about?
0: That's very closely related to what we just talked about with the assessment and analysis. Now, you've done your data collection. You've made sort of a judgment. Now, what do you do with that information? What does that look like? So does it result in planning a program? Does it result in policy recommendations? And then how do you know... The success or failure of the action that was implemented. You have to do some evaluation work and then make recommendations again on how to improve or rectify those shortcomings. So that's kind of why this is important.
1: Yeah, one of the things that sticks out to me is this idea of planning and what does that planning phase entail? So you're thinking about running an intervention for a specific group in your community. You might think that this is such a great idea, but what are some of these unintended outcomes or consequences of you, you know, delivering this intervention, you need to be able to plan for some of these things that might happen, and you must have some sort of risk response that you can have associated to that. One of the great planning tools we have in public health, however, is a health equity assessment. And this is a tool that helps you think of some of these outcomes or negative unintended consequences and the different populations that your given intervention or program may affect. So thinking through them in a very logical, evidence-based way is very important. So you brought up
0: risk response. We brought up program planning, implementation, and evaluation. And it's not explicit in this core competency and sub-core competencies underneath it.
1: Project management.
0: Project say management.
1: It. Let's go. Right? <laughs> so where does that fall?
0: Planning <laughs> a program, what does that even mean? Who are the stakeholders that need to be involved in the planning? Right? Mm, How yeah. is the progress going to be monitored and controlled? Right? So maybe we advocate for that one day, Lashon, that project management is added as a core competency. But inherent in this is those core principles.
1: Exactly. No, I I totally like that. And as a project manager, you're effectively doing exactly what you're saying. You're, You're initiating something, you're planning something, you're considering the different consequences to what you're doing in a very dynamic nature. And you're consulting with different stakeholders, the community members along the way to make sure what you're doing is appropriate given the situation at hand. So definitely has a lot of touches of project management within this core competency. Mm-hmm.
0: And one thing in project management, if you remember way back in the early pages is sort of the benefits realization. So who is the program intended to benefit? You talked about the unintended negative consequences and more of the intended positive impacts. So how are the benefits going to be realized from this project? What is the end point of the project? Is it a time limited thing that's going to go away to inform something else, is it something meant to be put into a regular program and operations after the project? That's something that has to be taken into account here.
1: Exactly. And again, like we said above for the assessment and analysis phase, you're going to want to look outside the scope of your context to see if this intervention or program that you're planning is being done elsewhere and what lessons you can learn from them. So that cross-learning component is something that we advocate for and we see the value in doing because you don't want to go through a whole project. You don't want to go through a whole intervention, a whole program, and then at the very end realize that there's this huge fatal mistake that other people across the world have learned from from implementing this project already. So that cross-learning and communication, as we'll get to in a bit, is crucial.
0: Right. And one of the subcomponents of sort of planning those programs you know, monitoring and evaluation is you have to demonstrate an ability to set and follow priorities and maximize outcomes based on available resources. Okay. Available resources as public health practitioners and very passionate people. We want to solve a problem as quick as possible. Right. However, that's not the case. I always say you'll never have enough people. You'll never have enough time. And you'll never have enough resources. How do you align competing priorities and choose the one with the highest potential impact, right? Those are some of the things that you have to consider for this portion here.
1: Fantastic.
0: So that's a perfect segue for us, that discussion on project management, to the fourth core competency, which is partnerships, collaboration, and advocacy. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean, LaShawn?
1: So this competency essentially captures the skills and knowledge required to influence and work with other people to work as a collective to improve the health and well-being of the public through the pursuit of this common goal. Mm. And so what there's various kind of subcomponents here that we could get into, but I think at its core, it's realizing that it's exactly what you said. There are limited resources, there is limited money, there is limited time, there is limited everything, right? So why not partner, collaborate with different partners in the field and in your area and cross disciplinarily, if that's even a word. Mm. But work together, find that common goal. Y'all don't have to copy each other's work. Y'all can share knowledge with each other have that cross learning learn from each other leverage each other amplify each other's message to work towards that common goal Mm. and so then the question becomes how do you identify partners Mm. that you want to collaborate with are there organizational barriers that are in place that prevents you from doing this What is practical within your given situation? So that ability to plan and identify who you can collaborate with and who's kind of out of scope for a particular project or implementation or program is going to be important. Hmm. And so this is also where you think of those different tools that you can use to galvanize different groups and partners by using team building activities. One thing you're going to be utilizing for sure is this idea of conflict management, conflict resolution And group facilitation, which Gordon really loves doing, to build these partnerships, to cultivate these partnerships. Absolutely. Again, sounds like project management to me,
0: but it's not a project management podcast. It's about the core competencies. So I'll try to stay on track. So another thing that you mentioned, LaShawn, advocacy. What does that mean? How do you advocate? So speaking with policymakers, okay, speaking with organizations, speaking with people and organizations who have the power to mobilize action. So inherent in this, and we'll get to communication in a second, but framing issues in a way so that people can understand the importance of it and how it affects society in general. So that's a core part of this core competency is being able to advocate very well.
1: Yeah, and part of this as well is We're talking about identifying, collaborating, we're talking about team building, we're talking about conflict management, and we're talking about framing our language and approach to partnerships. Mm. We also need to keep in mind this idea of making sure we have representation of different partners Mm. in the field and in our partnerships, collaboration, and advocacy. So making sure that they're a part of whatever process that you're doing. And I think that kind of touches on the fifth core competency, Mm. which is diversity and inclusiveness. And so what does that really go into Gordon? Quite a hot topic lately in the last two years
0: for a variety of different reasons. So yeah, essentially it's the skills you would need and knowledge you would need around those social cultural environments that you're in. So How do you need to act and carry yourself and communicate and interact effectively with diverse individuals, communities, and groups? So the needs of one community might be different from another, and hence your approach might be different. Our population is not a monolithic group, and you have to realize what is needed specifically from community to community to mobilize action and empower different groups of people.
1: This is completely true, and this kind of touches on being able to have culturally relevant approaches and culturally, uh, you know, culturally competent approaches towards delivering public health practice and care, right? So whether you're considering language barriers, how do you address those issues? How do you get to the people that maybe not might not speak English, right? And maybe they're your core target of individuals. How do you make sure that you're including? different perspectives, like individuals who may be disabled, maybe have invisible disability that you may not have considered. So making sure that all the groups are considered, and you have the appropriate representation at your different planning committees, your tables, wherever you make these decisions. Because at the end of the day, these are the individuals, these individuals From diverse cultural backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, educational backgrounds, people of all ages, genders, health status, and sexual orientations and abilities or disabilities. They're the ones who are going to utilize this service. So let's hear from them. Couldn't have said it better myself. Understanding those intersectionalities.
0: So Hmm. people can be diverse in more than one way. Right? And everyone experiences social pressures differently. Right? So Including in the planning phases, those folks that the programs are intended to benefit is something that as practitioners, we have to make sure we do an intentional job at. And it should should never be an afterthought because programs will likely fail.
1: And then we go to the sixth competency, Gordon. One of our favorites, Mm. communication. So what does communication involve? And especially in the context of public health. Communication.
0: Sorry to cut you off. I just had to say that.
1: Super. All right. So oh, what is wow, communication wow, wow. about?
0: Where do we start? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, quite simply, it's about dialogues, exchanging ideas, and information. Now, what did I say exchanging? So communication, a lot of the times we think of it is a one-way street. But communication is really dialogue, feedback, talking again, getting feedback, and coming towards some sort of understanding on what an action might look like. So that's my what communication is in a nutshell. There's a lot of room for opportunities and improvement in communication with me, you, Lashon, and everyone else out there in the world. You can never be a finished communicator. And as you'll see at the end of this, core competencies are something that you strive towards that you will never really truly fulfill. But if you stop trying to fulfill it, that's when you'll become less competent. So I'll throw it back over to you with
1: that. Yeah, communication is this broad area which, you know, entails written communication, verbal communication, non-verbal communication, and one that's often forgotten about, listening skills. Listening. Being able to listen to others. A lot of people like talking, but <laughs> especially you, Gordon, but sometimes it's good to listen. Mm. Computer literacy skills, you know, being able to see what communication channel works best with the audience you're trying to serve or the Mm. people you're trying to work with and communicate with. Why send them an email if they don't respond to emails? Maybe they do better with one-on-one meetings. Maybe it's a text message, a WhatsApp message. Finding out what works best with them so you can engage them to the best of your ability. And then... This part I really like is this idea of working with the media and mm. social marketing techniques. And Gordon has a lot of experience with talking to the media, so I'll throw it over there. Why, why is talking to the media important, Gordon? Oh,
0: I thought this was going to be about you, but okay. No,
1: it's never okay. about me. It's for the people.
0: Hmm. Speaking with the media. So we recently recorded an episode reviewing movies, essentially. And one of the last movies we reviewed was a movie called Don't Look Up. And there's a lot of parallels with that movie and the current situation with the COVID-19 pandemic. Public health, for the most part, has largely maintained a very low profile, right? Because of the pandemic and because of emerging disasters that might occur, folks in public health are often thrust in that spotlight to share their thoughts, opinions, and recommendations. Now... If you're not prepared to do this, when the moment arises, it will be very challenging for you. So in the movie, we can see the scientists struggling to communicate their message effectively. And in the real world, we know there's a lot of talk around the CDC director being confusing in the messaging to the public. So we can see... Because there is communication between, not only internally between staff members, but to the general public, there has to be competencies there to be able to do that. So what Leshawn was referring to when he put me on the spot was I had the opportunity to do interviews for print media and TV around the reasons many black communities might be hesitant around getting a COVID-19 vaccine. I would say reflecting on the first interview I did, I didn't feel like it went very well. And When you do some reflection, you realize you never really received any communication or media training, like ever, in your undergrad or public health programs. So given that these gaps exist, it's incumbent upon us to realize where we can sharpen our skills and to take the necessary actions to do so.
1: Exactly. And I I really like that bit about that media training and having some sort of training to understand that audiences receive messages differently mm. and understanding that for any given media, there's a specific way or best practices in how to communicate a given message effectively. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that kind of goes in line with a lot of the things that are developing in our society. So the use of technology to be able to communicate effectively and using digital marketing tools to be able to spread messages and and have those messages be received in a way that relates to that target audience. So in a nutshell, that's what this communication section is talking about, all these different ways that we communicate as public health professionals.
0: Okay. And I'm not going to let you get away with that one. So in in that core competency, right, we talked about media. What is media? Okay. You have traditional media. You have social media. Social media in its own right has become a juggernaut, and public health experts are sort of scrambling to understand the digital space. And I understand, LaShawn, you've, you've recognized this as a gap and you've taken some action towards increasing your competencies in this element of communication. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, so looking into studying more of digital marketing, we spend a lot of our times in these virtual and digital environments and oftentimes our responses and our interventions and our our way to disseminate information comes in that same digital virtual format so how to think about this this nuanced way of delivering information in this digital space is what digital marketing gives you a grasp on the best practices in how to use different social media platforms different hashtags to use ways to deliver interactive forms of media whether it's through sound bites short video content uh, pic- picture-based content or text-based content what are the evidence-based strategies that marketing companies digital media companies are so successful at doing how can we draw upon those tools and techniques? and use them in public health. Why not? Why not? Why do we have to stick within public health to learn skills and develop different competencies that we know are being used by other industries and organizations to get their message across? Let's get our message across.
0: There we go. Thanks, LaShawn. We just talked about the importance of using technology effectively to communicate that ties in digital marketing. And we did say at the beginning, Public health was an evolving landscape. So perhaps 30 years ago, the digital marketing space wasn't a viable thing to pursue. But now, it absolutely is. So again, core competencies, things that you'll never reach, but you always have to strive towards or it'll go on the back burner. Now, perhaps one of the most important core competencies, the seventh and final main core competency, is Leadership. Now, what does that mean to you, LaShawn?
1: Leadership to me involves working with a team of people and being able to inspire them, motivate them, and galvanize them to think about and complete a specific goal. Mm. And y- you make them come together to fulfill a common goal. And really in practice what this involves is understanding different organizational barriers and leading your team into um, avoiding those barriers and help facilitating you know progress in a way that is not interrupted by these different hurdles mm-hmm. so creating this space for communication open communication creating the space to constantly communicate your overall goals vision missions and values And I think at its core, making sure that these individuals who are on your team have the tools that they need to complete whatever they need to do at hand. So that's why I like this idea of servant leadership in public health. Mm. And what servant leadership at its core means is providing your different team members the tools, the resources, and empower them to complete what they have to do right you want to give them i think of it like you have some sort of food and water supplies and you're constantly giving it to these members so that they have what they need to do what they do best right empowering them just standing as a supporting role whenever they need help they can come to you and you can support them in any way you can to let them do what they do best
0: absolutely and inherent in that is in order to enable and what LaShawn is referring to is those different leadership styles. One of the important things for leadership is to create a work environment where people feel safe and valued and where they make positive contributions to the workplace. So leadership, in the sense, is very important in terms of inspiring you know, the current working professionals and the next generation of professionals and empowering them to be the change that they want to see so that's a very important part of of leadership and from an organizational level you know what are the missions and priorities of that organization and how best should it be approached to accomplish those missions visions and values so those are some of the key important parts of leadership that we need to consider how do we advance the goals of public health
1: yeah. How do we advance the goals of public health? We are using leadership and those who are in leadership positions have a lot of resources and let's say power on their on their side that they can use to empower different individuals to galvanize people to complete the same mission. And one of the things I always like talking about is this idea, we're talking about communication styles. One of these ideas is this, this one that surrounds compassionate leadership. So understanding that You know, the people that work with you on a day-to-day basis have different challenges going on in their life. Everyone's going through a pandemic. Everyone is going through different things and hardships in their life. And it's okay to talk to them about it. Give them the confidence that, you know what, if you're not feeling well today, you know, maybe take some time off. Maybe see if you could help them in any sort of way. Understanding that work is not their entire life. They have different things going on for them. And having that empathy, that compassion, and understanding to to just see that people might not be at their best at any given time. So help them out through that process by just having a little bit of compassion. And I think that goes a long way when you're in public health and your goal is trying to improve the health of populations. it, It can be draining, right? So really thinking about, as public health professionals if we're trying to improve the health of communities, first, we have to take care of ourselves. And as a leader, you have to recognize that portion and have these open dialogues and create these safe discussions around different issues.
0: Yeah. And this reminds me too of my discussion with uh, Michael Oates, who's the executive director of St. Leonard's Community Services, London and Region. And I asked him this very question about sort of the importance of leadership. And His sort of leadership style and what he thinks leadership should be and I think what he his response to that was his job is to hire very talented compassionate people and to get out of the way and allow and create the systems and infrastructure and processes that they need to be effective people in the workplace so that the people who benefit from those programs can be seen with dignity in their work. So that's something that I thought that was most impactful from a leadership perspective in terms of even and then how do you maintain those standards? How do you ensure that those the bar that you set for your organization for your the performance of your your peers and colleagues and employees is maintained at all times? So that's some of the things that as a leader, that leadership core competency, you know, not a lot of people are interested in leadership capacity because it requires a lot more responsibility and a lot more visibility and a lot more accountability. However, if this is something that you're pursuing, even if you have a you know a little group that you're leading and managing. Lashawn and I always talk about how do you lead effective meetings? So these leadership skills also come into play when not necessarily if you're a designated leader by the by your job title, but if you're leading a group on a project, if you're leading a specific meeting, These are some of those skills that you're going to need to be an effective public health practitioner.
1: I love that. And so we just basically went through these seven core competencies. And overall, you might be thinking, they're so diverse. There's so many different things I have to consider. Gordon, in your opinion, is there one that's more important than the other that people can focus on? And do you need all these different competencies to work in public health? What would be your approach to that? That's a great question. So I'm not
0: sure I would put myself out there to rank them in order in terms of the importance. However, I will say that there are a few that cuts across different aspects. So I think in order to be a public health practitioner, as much as we, you have to do undergrad in something, you have to do a master's in public health, global health, or whatever other field, or maybe you, you have some public health experience, through those experiences, you're going to develop some level of content knowledge, okay? You might know about substance use and alcoholism. You might know about climate change. You might know about emergencies. What about those soft skills that are going to be needed to make you an effective public health practitioner? So I think everyone can watch YouTube videos and learn about the opioid crisis and when it started and all that stuff. Public health sciences, I think, will come from just being interested in different topics, I think what you have to focus on is partnerships, collaboration and advocacy as well as communication competencies. And I think those two cuts across the other five and that will make you an effective public health practitioner.
1: No, I agree. It's really hard to discern which is ranked higher than the other, so I, I I'll avoid doing that. But I think at its at its fundamental unit, these core competencies are all necessary to some extent. And coming out of a MPH program, I wouldn't have thought so, but having been working in the field for some time now, I've been able to see all of these actually as different cross-cutting themes in any given situation. Like you said, you might not have a formal title as a leader, but maybe you're leading a discussion or you're, dis- you're leading a little focus group. That is when your leadership skills will come into play. You're communicating every day as public health professionals. I would say it's a large part of what you're doing, especially in the virtual environment. You're always communicating. You're always thinking about diversity in public health to make sure that everyone's voices are heard and the representation is there. We want to work as a team in public health. Of course we do. Collaboration, partnerships should be at the forefront of all our efforts. Program, planning, policy, implementation, and evaluation it seems like a very technical thing and maybe there are specific positions that may require that more so than others but at its core when you're thinking about it you're always planning for different things in public health so a lot of those critical thinking skills planning tools and techniques are going to be important assessment analysis critical thinking is super important and public health sciences like gordon mentioned that can come with your just with experience and your con subject matter expertise so i agree with what gordon is saying in terms of A lot of these are cross-cutting, soft skills that you will need to have and are relatable to any sort of field. It doesn't necessarily have to be public health. All these things that we're listing could be implemented elsewhere, and you still have that transferable nature to it. So I I agree. Remember,
0: you can be the best content expert ever, but if it's not enjoyable to work with you, you might find it very hard to get things done. So take that into consideration. This is LaShawn and Gordon signing off. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts
1: or Spotify. See you in the next one.